Welcome to Save Your Sanity, help for handling hijackles, those difficult, toxic, and often disturbing people in your life. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, the Relationship Help Doctor, and I'm here for you. You'll get the insight, skills, strategies, and support to stop tolerating verbal and emotional abuse, whether it's happening now or it happened to you in the past, maybe by a parent, partner, ex, relative, or even a coworker. Time to take life back, to recover and to rediscover you, your values, dreams, desires, and realize them in healthy ways in healthy relationships. I'm so glad you're here. Hello, and welcome to Emotional Savvy. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. I'm glad you're here. I hope you brought your friends along. You suggested to them that they might find value here. And always remember, you can go back to wherever you prefer to get your podcast and find all the episodes of Emotional Savvy. They're there for you. This is episode 52, so you know how many there are there waiting for you. So today I wanted to talk about Emotional energy leaks, you might not think about them very often, but you do feel them. That's when you're in denial, or you have procrastination, or you're holding grudges, or you have resentments, or you have deep regrets. So those are energy leaks. Do you have any? Because you know an energy leak by your losses. The loss of time, the loss of energy, the loss of feeling in control, the loss of feeling organized or on top of things, or the loss of self-confidence. And an energy leak is what occurs when, you know, you're driving along and suddenly you have that head-slapping moment when you say, oh, I should have done that, or I've forgotten to do that, or oh, I didn't take care of that. And an energy leak also happens when you've not taken care of a relationship issue. And now you're avoiding that person. Energy leaks fall into the category of unfinished business. So let's talk about a few of them. Procrastination is a major energy leak. So is denial. And the reason many people don't deal with, or probably more likely won't deal with, this unfinished business is fear. Fear leads to doubt, which leads eventually to lack of confidence. And this can become an even bigger problem as you begin to feel out of control. And then this creates anxiety, and soon the energy leak becomes a flood. <laughs> so you can have a tremendous amount of unfinished business over the years, can't you? Maybe it's time to put a stop to those emotional energy leaks. Yeah, it's going to take energy, but energy expended to stop the leaks will prevent you from drowning in that flood. And it won't be useful to build a dam. The maintenance of a dam is just another energy leak. You may have already tried to build a dam. You, you do that by simply denying that the problem or the issue or the request exists. So living in a fantasy world usually ends in disaster or um, maybe in medication, <laughs> but neither of those are acceptable alternatives, are they? And it won't be much use to tread water either. You'll expend so much energy just trying to keep pace that not only do you not get anywhere, you're exhausted. You're fatigued all the time. It's dragging you down. 
and you're frustrated and you're still stuck. It didn't help at all. The energy leak is still there. So procrastination, denial, um, any of these things, regrets, all of these things are things that are keeping you stuck and not allowing you to flow, to get flow into your life. And that's where you want to get. You want to have flow. And so the only useful approach is to have a good look at the leaks and fix them one at a time. Okay, so let's take a really obvious example. Maybe you've got an unpaid parking ticket. And you think about it often, and it's not very much money, and you think, oh, what do I have to do? Do I even know where the ticket is? And so you put it off, and you put it off, and you put it off until you get that one in the mail that says now it's about 86 times what you thought it was. Well, that's not a really good idea. So this is easy. If the leak is an unpaid parking ticket, all you have to do is take five minutes, sit down, write a check, or maybe pay it online and then it's done it's done it wasn't that much what if it's in a an energy leak from a relationship issue well first you have to sit down and think what changes do I want here if a relationship is draining my energy or there's an energy leak in an issue that is just never resolved or is ongoing then I've got to think about that. What are the changes that I want? What part of this is my problem? What could I do differently? What do I want to do differently? How much do I value the relationship? And do your own work. Sit down and figure that out before you ever speak to the other person. And then when you do that, you can then use the technique that I talk about in my book, Kaizen for Couples, that technique of the personal weather report, then you are ready to talk about your part in the issue. And you can put that on the table. And then you can ask the other person for their reflection on that and what they may be willing to do to change that. So you can put an end to it. You can spend the time determining what you want and then ask the other person after you've put it on the table if they're able or willing to meet you to meet your needs, to meet you somewhere in the middle, to behave in ways that you think the relationship would prosper from. So you need to be ready to hear both yes and no. Don't ever ask a question of another human being that you're not ready to hear yes or no because you'll just get your knickers in a twist. And that's really important. So you know you can't force someone to change, so you may have to be ready to change. Yeah, you may even have to be ready to change relationships. Or do you have issues at work? Are you in the best position for you? Are you doing the work that you have some passion for? I hope so. And yeah, we don't all have the luxury of just walking out because we're not passionate. We have children to feed or rent to pay or a mortgage to pay or a car to pay. I understand that. But if you're in a job that is absolutely draining your energy all the time and you're not passionate about it, then you may not be 
in the right place. And you may need to be thinking about that emotional energy leak. Because if you go somewhere that you hate all day or they're with people who are toxic or difficult and you bring that all home with you, mm -mm, that will cause further energy leaks. Because every time you think about it, you relive it. You re-feel it. And that's not good at all. So these leaks, if they're not well managed, if you don't actually get clear where the energy leaks in your life are and manage them well, then they are going to continue and you will feel drained. So what if it's an old issue that needs resolving? Do you need to apologize to somebody? Is something holding you back from apologizing? You don't want to lose face or you don't know how to do it. Are you telling yourself, well, the other person wouldn't want to hear from me anyway? You're not doing this for the other person. You're doing it for you to get rid of your emotional energy leaks. Are you thinking of a couple of things that you might be able to change just listening to this today? I hope so. And if you need my help, you know, you can always find me at forrelationshiphelp.com, F-O-R, relationship, H-E-L-P.com. So, if there's somebody that you need to apologize to, that might be one thing. But what if there's somebody that you really want to ask their forgiveness? Are you willing to do that? Or are you putting that off? That's a really big issue. Many times we don't like to ask for forgiveness because we have to look squarely at the fact that we're not happy with what we did or said. And we don't want to do that, so we put it off. And so what's it doing? It is working on the cellular level with us all the time, rewounding us, rewounding us, rewounding us. And you want to get that issue out of your body. The thing to do is to go and forgive that other person or ask for their forgiveness, whichever direction it needs to go. Stop giving these things real estate in your head or giving them residence in your body. That's up to you. So these things that are draining your energy every time you think about whether or not you do it or whether or not you think you're doing it, well, I think Nike had something to say to you. Just do it. I know. Sounds so simplistic, right? Not always easy. But just do it. Sure, you may be fearful. That's natural. It's likely, though, that your imagination has created a much bigger obstacle than the actual event will be. Maybe your fear is devouring too much energy. So I'm inviting you today to do what needs doing, to face what needs facing, to speak to whom you need to speak to, to address the issues that are lurking around and, and really draining your energy. Do it. Face the music. Go through it. Be done with it. Whatever you've been putting off or conveniently forgetting, refuse to let it drain another erg of energy from you. I want to encourage you to put an end to unfinished business today. I hope you will. I really do because you matter and you need to matter to yourself. And one way you can demonstrate that you matter to yourself is to not have emotional energy leaks that you can do something about. And you know what? You could do something about most of them. 
I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. Thanks for being here. Invite your friends to join us next week. Talk soon. Hello, I'm so glad you're here for Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show. My guest today is Brenda Edelman. Very excited to have you. Brenda, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, well, I'm delighted. We've got so many things to talk about. One of the big themes today is going to be forgiveness. And if you've been in a troubled relationship, whether that's with a parent, a partner, an ex, a coworker, with whomever it may be, very important topic. We're going to dive into that deeply. We're going to talk about why it is that Brenda came to having this as a theme for her to express about it and the many ways that she expresses, which as you can see, the beautiful Brenda, probably no surprise to you, she has an amazing stage presence as well. So let me just tell you a little bit about Brenda. She's a critically acclaimed actor with a one-woman show, My Brooklyn Hamlet, and she has performed that for over 12,000 people. It's her life story, so we're going to hear about that in a few minutes. Um, she speaks on the power of forgiveness and the power of stories, and she received an award that I know nothing about, so we'll talk about that, the Hero of Forgiveness Award from the Hawaii International Forgiveness Project. Now, you're ready for the title of her book. Brace yourself. My father killed my mother and married my aunt, forgiving the unforgivable. You're going to want to run right over to Amazon and get that one. Maybe not for bedtime reading, but maybe in the morning. <laughs> and <Yeah>. so, <laughs> so she created a three-step forgiveness program. We're going to talk about it today, a process. And uh, you can go to her website, um, freedomandforgiveness.com. Forgivenessandfreedom.com. Oh, there, see? Good thing there are two of us here. Yep, it is forgiveness first. That's when you get the freedom. So forgivenessandfreedom.com. Great. So welcome to the program, Brenda, again. Thank you again. Yeah, it's exciting. Tell us about what it is. I know everybody's just waiting to know why you wrote that book. So tell everyone what it is that caused you to focus on forgiveness. Well, clearly the title of the book, My Father Killed My Mother and Married My Aunt, um, I find that People don't get into this line of work unless something happens, right? <laughs> yes. And people, you know, are affected by things differently. Some people hide, which I certainly did for a few years, but it was really through the process of learning about forgiveness and applying it that freed me, that allowed me to trust myself again, besides, you know, forgiving my father, setting healthy boundaries. And so that's why I talk about it. And at the time, I could not find a therapist that could really hold for me in the amount of devastation and pain I was in. And so I went to school to get a master's in spiritual psychology to heal myself, not knowing that everything I learned there is what I would put into my three-step process and be teaching and coaching on that. Well, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I do my work because I lived it. You do your work because you've lived it. It makes us so much more able to relate and more able to feel. Mm -hmm. And it, it's important. So I understand what you say because, you know, being in the therapeutic world myself, I know so many times people have gone to therapists who couldn't relate, just couldn't yeah. relate, couldn't give them what they needed. And therefore, in an effort to do what they do well, they actually 
were either little help or took them in the wrong direction. Yeah, well, what I found, and, and I luckily had a therapist. I also went to shamans. I did everything I could to feel better. But what I found and what I also learned when I got my master's is that a lot of people just stay in their head. So, you know, it's like I would break down and because the therapist wasn't comfortable in the emotion, they would get me right back into my head and thinking about it instead of knowing that healing happens through that emotion. So, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's unfortunate. Because that tells me that the therapist was uncomfortable with the depth of your emotion. Right. Yeah. And let's not be going to therapists who are uncomfortable with our emotions. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's why we go to therapists. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So do give us an idea of the horrendous story that occurred for you. Okay. And so I also teach people now, because I do have a one-woman show based on my life story, never expecting to do a one-person show. It, it evolved because I was an actress studying in one of the top classes in LA and I was hiding and filled with shame, hiding behind the characters I would play. And then I had an inward, guide, inward guidance to put my story on stage and tell the truth. And I was so scared. I thought I would be so judged. I was filled with so much shame, but it was just a short exercise. And I did it. And instead of getting the judgment, it was a hundred person class. I got a standing ovation. And then I had people in the class come over and tell me things that they were ashamed about. And they realized they didn't have to be. And um, then a director wanted to direct me. A producer wanted to produce the show. So I knew how to tell a story because I was an actress for so many years, but I also then went to school to learn how to tell a story better. And, um, and it, it, uh, it evolved from there. But back to the story is that I was extremely close with both of my parents. I'll, I'll give the two minute little pitch here that I tell people when they hire me to do the show or speak is um, I grew up in Brooklyn with a Jewish wannabe Italian father who taught me <laughs> how to drive a Cadillac at six and how to shoot a gun at 10 a bohemian artist mom who took me traveling with her all over the world and read Shakespeare to me from the time I was three years old as a bedtime story. Big characters, big laughs, big love. And then in 1995, my father shot and killed my mother. And then within a month moved in with my aunt, my mother's sister. And I was already familiar with Hamlet, Shakespeare's Hamlet, where his father was killed by his uncle and his uncle married his mother, which actually gave me solace when I felt so alone. But Hamlet is about death and revenge and destruction and my life, my work, my speaking, my coaching is about the power of forgiveness. So that is the story. Wow. Yes, that's a lot. And it's a lot to deal with when you're young. Because what experiences do you have except the ones that our parents have given us? And then we broaden our life a little bit further and, you know, meet friends and go to school and, and have our community and all. But does it really set us up for dealing with something that is so devastatingly tragic and off the charts unbelievable? I mean, who would ever be thinking that that was a possibility? Well, there was so much denial. But looking back, there were so many red flags. But it's right. When you grow up in a family, you just think that's the way it is. And never, like, I was in such denial. So in my three-step process, the first step is moving out of denial and into acceptance of what is. Because even though there were threats of gun between my father and my mother, 
growing up. And she actually, one of the times they separated during their 30 years together, she got a restraining order. She told me he put a gun to her head. But when they got back together, I thought she must be lying, right? That And so it's like when you're right in domestic violence, you don't realize like there was no hitting with my mother. There was, it was like, only after the fact, when I did all the research, did I realize my part in it too, of the denial and you know the gaslighting my father was doing and stuff like that. And I had to forgive both of my parents. I had to forgive my mother. It took me many years too, because oftentimes when someone dies, at least for me, I'll speak, you know, I put her up on a pedestal. And then I had to forgive her for the model she set for me, for how it's okay to be treated by someone that says, they love you. And of course, yeah. ultimately knowing that she did the best she could from where she was, my, you know, my parents were not conscious on the level, let's say that I am only because I was forced into it because the pain was so great. I think part of why I teach what I do is because I don't want the pain to be as great for other people. It's like you can actually change the course of your life now when you move out of denial, see what's happening, set healthy boundaries, things like that. Yes, and that's so important. Let's uh, learn that lesson, everybody, today, starting today, so we don't have to wait for some pivotal experience of a horrendous nature to cause us to go, whoa, I've got two choices. I can run into denial, stay under a rock and pretend it never happened, or have to go through the treacherous journey of change. Right. And for some people, that can be a treacherous journey when it's forced, when it's not chosen. It can be treacherous even when you're calling it forward, but the, but it's like the alternative is living a small life where you're not you don't have joy, like it is on the other side of that pain, you know. Well, you were talking about looking back and seeing the dysfunction that was in your family and the kinds of conversations that there were. And of course, it seems normal to us. That's all we know as children. So we're absolutely cool with that. This is my family. This is the way it goes. Cool would be the right <laughs> word. Well, but like, we are as children. Yeah. You know, we may be uncomfortable, but we're comfortably uncomfortable because we know the family. We know how, how to kind of keep ourselves in it. And we know how to bob and weave and make it all happen in here. <laughs> and then, then something horrendous happens. And then we have, oh, my goodness, I don't have that anymore. And, you know, and it sounds to me like that one has been terribly difficult for you to not only lose, lose your mother, but then this convoluted family reconstruction, what could you ever do with that on an emotional level? What did you do with it? Well, I was an adult, first of all, when my mother died, but I was super close with both of my parents. I had just moved out to LA. I was engaged. Um, what happened was I felt, and this is all I'm reflecting back. I didn't know it at the time. I felt so damaged. I felt so damaged because of what happened with my parents and the shame that came forward with it. And I ended up breaking up with my fiance. I actually think now it's because I felt such a level of shame. I didn't want to be seen in all that pain. And in some weird way, he was very kind, but he saw me as a victim because he saw me completely fall apart. And mm -hmm. in some weird way, I couldn't get out of that space while I was still with him. We're, we're friends now, but um, how, because what happened was once I finally got the forgiveness, and like I said, I did everything like acupuncture, sh shaman, soul retrieval, two-year master's degree in spiritual psychology, wrote my story, performed my story. Um, and then th that master's program really changed my life, really experientially um, 
learning forgiveness and learning to forgive myself. And when I did, I did a lot of inner child's work too Mm -hmm. and trusting myself. And from that place, I attracted in someone who would become my uh, wife actually. And uh, we adopted a foster child and we were together for 13 and a half years. And so I reconnected, because I, I lost my mother, my father, and my brother in one night. My brother and I have since reconciled. We had different fathers. So the, mm. the gist of it was that he wanted to take my father to court immediately. And I was in denial mm-hmm. about my father um, because it was so hard to like, how can I lose my dad too? But yeah, I reconstructed the, I, 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 I created the family I wanted based on loving and, you know, we're divorced now, but, and my, and my son is now 19, but, um, but it was beautiful. It was a loving relationship. And I can only do that because I stopped isolating. I started to realize that I deserved someone who really loved me and how I could love someone who would respect me, you know, like all that modeling just, just was changed because I took more responsibility for what was showing up in my life. Right. And did your father go to jail? He did. <laughs> he, but he only went to jail for one. In, the sentence to plea bargain was one and a half to five years um, because the murder weapon, his gun, his 38 that he always had with him that I learned to shoot on as a girl disappeared. There was a six hour cleanup and, um, and uh, the gun disappeared during that time. And my brother is actually the one who agreed to the plea bargain. It went from 17 years down to one and a half to five because we didn't have a murder weapon. And my brother agreed to it because the DA said that there was the possibility without the murder weapon that my father would not go to jail at all. So mm-hmm. he, he ended up serving two and a half years. And he was already married to my aunt by that time. And do you have a relationship with him now? Um, my father died in 2004, but what happened was I had a love hate relationship with him. I desperately wanted my daddy. I was daddy's little girl, but he only in hindsight, you know, had sociopathic tendencies, no empathy. I didn't know that because what I learned is in narcissist, um, is people like that, you know, if I was the object of his desire as his little girl, then I was up on a pedestal. Well, once I'm like demanding what happened, I was just boom, cut out. But I, um, it was, uh, while I was in that love hate space, trying to deny my intuition, I was so depressed. And what I ended up doing was taking him to court for wrongful death. So that's what I mean by healthy boundaries. Like I learned to forgive him and I stood up for myself and took him to court for wrongful death, which is, was actual, actually pivotal in my brother and I reconciling. But while I took my dad to court, I practiced all the forgiveness techniques, which I now teach to others. So that when I took him to court, it wasn't out of hatred. It was out of standing up for myself. Mm-hmm. And that's a very important point for us all to realize that compassion is here. But we don't want it to overlap with condoning behavior and enabling behavior. Because, you know, I speak a lot about hijackals, which is my term for all people with personality disorders. So you're describing your father as a hijackal, which he obviously would have been um, because he planned to do this. Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, the lack of empathy makes it possible to make such a plan. 
Um, but I think that, that the important thing is, as we talk about the process, Brenda, because it is a long process. First of all, you want to hide under a rock. We all understand that, like make the world go away. Um, but that life stops at that moment. We can't live from that place. We can pretend to live from that place. But getting much more deeply into ourselves and what life means and what what we stand for and what we value and where our boundaries are and all. So I'm really happy to hear you make that distinction about, yeah, I could forgive my father, but it didn't mean I was going to condone his behavior. What happened in my life even. Although, no. you know, by taking that strong stand, he skipped down. So he made the decision to not be in my life. And then he died a few years later. Right. And you're also talking about something else that I just want to point out to you, everybody is that when you are the child of a hijackal parent, you are likely going to have a very strong bond, like you're describing, with the opposite sex parent. And if you have, if that opposite sex parent is a hijackal, that you know that bond is is exacerbated in different ways. And so it's very important for us to realize that. And then also, what happens is that if we have a hijackal mother, by any chance what's going to happen there is she's going to be fiercely competitive with her same-sex child. Yeah, my mother wasn't like that with me. I, I feel like I am doing as well as I am because she was so loving. Not that she yeah. didn't like her stuff, she did. But And uh, there was the competition a little bit when I was older, but I loved her so much and she was so loving and so affectionate, like the opposite of how her parents were. So that's why I like, even the thing with my father is he was so loving with me. And so what I chose after knowing about all of this is, well, I'm going to still remember how I felt as a little girl because I felt love, even if it was through an, how a narcissist could do it, mm -hmm. knowing, you know, like, like, I feel like because I got that growing up, it helped me on the healing journey, you know? Well, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, you, you need to take from it what, what allows you to sustain a sense of being loved. Right. Because whether or not he could love you, that question could be answered in a multitude of ways. But that you felt love right. was very, very important. Right. And it, we want to feel loved. We want to feel, as my colleague Gary Salyer says we want to feel welcomed by joy yes and that's very important to all of us so you know imp important thing to think about so let's spend the rest of the time here talking about forgiveness why how to and what is it so what would you say forgiveness really is i feel like forgiveness is releasing the resentments we have in ourselves that bonds us to the person place or thing that we're making wrong and so forgiveness is completely for us although there might be an effect on the other person. I agree. So that's great. <laughs> We're not going to have a debate about that. I think it's so important to recognize that forgiveness is something we do for ourselves because of who we are and how we want our lives to go. So I'm happy to hear you say that, Brenda, because I think it's an important distinction. Some people think of forgiveness as, oh, you just let it all melt away and you forget it ever happened. Yeah, well, we don't. Like we, yeah. we don't and we can't. It doesn't work that way. We're human. We have a brain. We have memory. We have cellular memory. It, but we also have the decision to choose in the moment. That's ours. Mm -hmm. So it's very important. So I love that definition. Now, 
if we're going to engage in forgiveness, you're talking about your three-step process. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the first thing that we have to do in order to get ourselves ready to forgive? I believe it's moving out of denial and into acceptance of what is. How that works for me is that in my example versus talking about clients is that uh, although this happens, this does happen a lot with cheating. But for me, I, my father was making up some story about how they were fighting with a gun in the dark. It went off. And in my head, I'm like, well, maybe it's in, it was in the abdomen. And then I find out it's point blank range in the head. But I chose to still be like, well, maybe he's right despite my intuition and it was only after I took him to court for wrongful death that I actually brought myself to read the police records and saw that there was no uh, gunpowder on my mother's hands because I was also like maybe they were struggling um but this happens also with a lot of people with a spouse who is cheating like everything is there or lying and they're in denial because they don't want to face the choices they'll have to make to either be like, oh, okay, that's okay, I'm just gonna accept it, or say that's not, that doesn't work, and all the choices that come with that. Um, so it's getting out of denial and into acceptance of what is, that's the first step. And that's a big one for everybody, whether they're about forgiveness or not, is we all have that opportunity, and I invite everybody to take it, to step out of denial and accept what is, because it's beautifully put, Brenda. For us to to embrace reality, often not comfortable, often not our preference, mm-hmm. but such an important thing to do. So, what's and I want to I want to say one of the exercises that are really important because it's why I wrote my process um, because I did not have this exercise for like six years, and it is what led me to finally be able to be free. And it was fully embracing my anger toward my father and fully embracing being a victim. Like we try so hard to not be a victim and just be like, oh, I'm gonna forgive. What I did is, well, I'm gonna forgive because it's not gonna change anything. But I had to first go into how freaking angry I was. And there's all kinds of exercises to do that so that you let out your anger in a healthy way. A lot of people are afraid of their anger, but that's where, you know, get a good therapist, work with a coach, have friends that support you on other side sides of it. I had to completely release my anger because otherwise it leaks out in other relationships. It leaks out, it becomes addictions, it becomes isolation. So that that's really important. And that in that step is to release release your anger in a healthy way and you know keep peeling the onion. Yes. Yes. Certainly keep peeling the anger, the onion. But you know, the anger. Um Anger is an arousal in the body that we have to acknowledge. Things are changing in our body when we get angry. Now, a really good idea is to not say too much when you get really, really angry. (laughs) Right. Very, very important. But when you're dealing with a process within yourself, you can deal with it straight up. I mean, you can write about it. You can beat something about it you can uh, scream and yell you can uh, yeah so very important to do and yes do it in the safety of a therapeutic environment of any kind where you know you're safe to do it but it is important to do it because otherwise this gets all bottled up and when things get all bottled up we get into a chronic stress system and when we're in a chronic stress system 
it's taking a toll on our bodies. We don't want that to be happening. We really don't want that to be happening. So if you have a major, definitely big event like you had in your life, that's a huge journey. And I, you know, I really applaud you for sticking with it and, and coming out the other side and then empowering other people by your experience. Yeah. So, you know, because you could just say, well, this is my experience. I'm not going to talk about it. And, it, you know, for some people that might be just the right thing to do. But you have the expressive nature that you could, in fact, walk through this in a very public way mm-hmm. and take steps and then become that leader, that model of what's possible. And, and it took a, a long time for me to get to the place where I am that I actually have joy when I perform my show and I present. Not like, oh, this is the best thing on earth. It's more like, oh, I've completely expressed myself and I know I'm helping people in the audience. But one of the reasons I started teaching about storytelling is because I do, I am very vocal and I do my show and everything. But I would go home and be absolutely miserable. Like I do it and people would laugh and people would cry, but it was before I did the inner work or I had more inner work to do. And so now when I teach people to tell their story, I also teach them how to heal from their story at the same time so that they're sharing, but they're not oversharing so that they feel bad afterwards, you know? Yeah, well, that's a good point because you know what happens. People sit around and they talk about their stories even with friends. And then they get too deeply into it. They go home and they're in a terrible state. It wasn't cathartic at all. Or for the other people. <laughs> no, well, then they have a whole other situation to handle. But, you know, sometimes we do that. And it's important to know that there are various ways to channel this kind of thing. So were you actually able to come to forgive your father at a level that leaves you like, with warmth and neutra- neutrality. Yes, and that and that's the key to be neutral, uh, completely. And it started with my father. Really, I would say way back. I did a forgiveness ceremony. So my mom died in nineteen ninety five, and it was around two thousand and one that I did a forgiveness ceremony where I just I was I was actually doing a class at Agape and Foundations and there was an exercise and what came forward for me was a poem where I realized that my father and I were one and that if I hated any part of him, I hated a part of myself. And that was just like a wake up call to me. I realized wherever I had my heart closed to him, I had it closed to myself at the same time as this became the opening for me to start attracting love and better relationships in my life and really exploring my show at a deeper level. So that ceremony was really pivotal. And um, I mean, I did, what I teach my clients, you know, the main anger release exercise for me is um, freeform writing, which is not the same as journaling. You're not reading it over. Right. 15 minutes to two hours at the most, you're not indulging in, in it and you're setting it on fire, shredding it, not, you know, getting it out of the house. That was the major way that I was able to release the anger. And it was, uh, you know, over a long term, it might've been, you know, do it for, a month then do it for three months and you know like that and uh, after I mean when I took him to court for wrongful death that was really healing too for me as far as standing up and I had done all that healing work so that when he died I was free I, I, I grieved like a daughter would grieve and surprisingly to me I still had that little part of me my inner child that was like I wish I had had my dad back but it almost was like a finality that it was like, okay, I don't have to hang on to that anymore. 
That's mm-hmm. that the process with him. I had a harder time with my aunt, for sure. Oh, I'm sure. Because that certainly wasn't an instantaneous connection. And you certainly were probably very aware it had been going on for a while. Um, beautiful, though, to to hear the expression that, you know, you could get back to that place in time where he was your dad. Mm-hmm. And that it wasn't like, I'm glad you're gone. It's that... I did lose my father mm-hmm. and you lost your father twice really, yeah. you know, and that that's an important thing to note. So if anybody in the audience is, is listening to this and thinking, Oh my, I've had unhealed relationships with people or I have not looked at the pain that was caused me before and I'm carrying it around and maybe it is sapping my energy. You know, people tell me when they come to work with me and they, they're, you know, they're interested in saying, well, what do you do really? And I say, I give you back the use of both hands. Hmm. And they say, what do you mean? I mean, that's, that's, that's weird. What do you, what do you mean? And I say, well, if you come to see me, there's something in your life that has you only having the use of one hand because your other hand is firmly holding the lid on a can of worms. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So what we're going to do, whether it says a couple or an individual is we're going to take them out one at a time in a way that is not fearful. And we're going to see what's really there. And what we want to keep, what we want to want to release and move on from there till we have the use of both hands. Mm-hmm. And basically, that's the kind of process that we have to go through because we're hurting ourselves when we keep everything unhealed, when we keep everything under the carpet or, or whatever. We've got to bring it out into the light and deal with it if we want freedom. So mm-hmm. I really like the idea of forgivenessandfreedom.com. Because the forgiveness comes first, the followed by the freedom, and yay. I mean, it may not be a celebration of I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. It's more of a completion and I'm healthy. Yeah, and like an expansiveness. That part that's been stuck with the other person, giving that other person power is released so that you can um, attract more good in your life, more creativity, more love, better relationships. Absolutely. So there's so much to talk about. Maybe we'll do it again in a few months and add to this. (laughs) Thank you so much for being my guest, Brenda. Do you have some little tidbit you'd like to leave us with? Yeah, I would say the tidbit is, well, first of all, let me just say step two, and we'll we'll do another follow-up, but step two after you embrace that victimhood is actually giving up your need to be right so that Mm -hmm. you're detached from it, but you got to fully embrace the victim so it doesn't leak out in other ways. Um, I would say the tidbit around forgiveness is that it really always comes down to self-forgiveness. I feel like self-forgiveness is like, forgiveness is like love. You can only love someone as much as you love yourself. You can only receive as much love as you love yourself. And I feel it's very similar with forgiveness. You can't really forgive someone else if you can't forgive yourself. And the good news about that is for me, I could forgive myself for being angry at myself for trusting my father. Like that was huge for me. It's like, how am I going to attract love in when I'm so mad at myself? I can't trust myself. So, so it's all about self-forgiveness and that is in our power. 
Excellent. So thank you for that, Brenda. My guest today has been Brenda Edelman. She is a phenomenal powerhouse of ways to help you understand how to go through difficulties and come out well on the other side, to look at your story, to look at forgiveness. So go to forgivenessandfreedom.com. And while you're there, I'm sure that you will find that she has a free ebook for you. But I'm going to put the gift Actually, of forgiveness that book. book is not there. If oh, you, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm going to put the link in the show notes. So if you're interested in her forgiveness book, um, she's going to gift that to you, and the link will be in the show notes for today's show. So thanks again to you, Brenda. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. I'm glad you spent this time with us today on Emotional Savvy. And I look forward to hearing, seeing, and being with you sometime very, very soon. If you enjoyed this, please share it with your friends and also come back next time. And go to forrelationshiphelp.com if you'd like to know more about I Can Help You. Thanks for being here for today's episode of Emotional Savvy. If you want to deepen your emotional savvy, make shifts in your relationships, and enjoy life and relationships more, work with me, Dr. Roberta Shaler. Get my books, enjoy my courses, or work with me directly. You can do that by visiting forrelationshiphelp.com, F-O-R, relationship, H-E-L-P.com, and subscribe to Tips for Relationships now. Don't miss a thing. Be empowered this week with more emotional savvy.